0: Would you open your Bibles with me this morning, not to uh, Galatians, but to Genesis? I'd like to look with you this morning at Genesis chapter 26. It's the story of Isaac and his digging of wells. And uh, one of the reasons why I selected this passage to preach uh, in Charlie's absence this morning is because tonight I was already planning to preach on the Samaritan woman whom Jesus meets at a, at a well uh, in Samaria in John chapter 4. So here's another story about wells this morning in Genesis chapter 26. And it also seems appropriate to me this morning that we uh, think about wells because it just keeps raining and it's about water. And it is—it's uh, amazing the illustrations that God gives in nature of how He works. Now, think of think of rain and wells and rivers and streams. And, and the rain falls, and and uh, these individual drops of water collect, and they move, and they uh, they unite, and they get into gullies that find their way to creeks, that find their way to uh, larger streams, that find their way to rivers, that find their way eventually into the, the big ocean. And then that cycle continues again and again. And there are, as you think about these, these streams and rivers making their way to the big ocean, they make many turns, don't they? Uh, sometimes they're, some, they're, they're supposed to go south. And uh, sometimes they go north uh, and sometimes they, uh, they're heading east to the Atlantic, but they, they turn and they go west for a while or they're going west to the Pacific and they turn and go east for a while. And, and you, you're not quite sure when you encounter a stream exactly which direction it's where it's going to end up or how it's going to get there because it seems like it's going in the wrong direction. And sometimes it's going over steep falls. Sometimes it's shallow and going over a lot of rocks, and there's a lot of rapids. And sometimes it's deep and wide and and uh, ambling along more calmly until it reaches
1: its destination. In the same way,
0: God works in us individually in His church, and in the world. We are uh, like individual drops making our way to the stream. We are as a, as a church, like a river making our way to the ocean, the glory of the ocean, the glory of God where we see Him face to face. Uh, but there are lots of twists and turns, aren't there? Individually, you know, there are always twists and turns. And if if I were to dip into your life at any one particular time, it might look like it's going in exactly the wrong direction. It might seem like God is not at work, like God is not leading you, bringing you to the ocean. It might might seem like uh, it's going north when it should be going south. Or maybe it'd be better to say your life feels like it's going south when it should be going north. Uh, but when you dip in at any one particular time, it's, it's hard to tell unless you see the big picture. Unless you know that this, this river of my life, this river of the church is heading, this river of creation and humanity is heading to the ocean of the glory of God. And so we encounter life we see our children, uh, and life seems to be a mess, and they're not following christ and We look at our marriages and they seem like they're just not holding together the right way as a as a Christian marriage should, or maybe maybe a spouse is an unbeliever. You look at your job and you wonder where the blessing of god is you look you go to school and you're you're struggling, and uh your bodies aren't working right, and your minds aren't working the way you hoped they would be and and you've got grace church uh, all always going through twists and turns even even now uh, rounding a bend and uh, you can't tell where it's going and I can't tell where it's going and and the martins are rounding a bend and we're not not sure how it's going to look in the in the future change is hard and the tendency the tendency is to want to dig our own channels and resist the direction that God seems to be taking us in because it's scary. And my goal this morning through Genesis chapter 26 as Isaac and his family face twists and turns that look like God is not blessing when God has promised He will bless is to give you encouragement in the face of change and to remember, as the psalmist says, that he is faithful in all he does. And I want to look specifically at two facets of God's faithfulness this morning. I don't have an overhead projection for you, but this is pretty simple. I want to see God's faithfulness to his people and God's faithfulness to his promise. God's faithfulness to his people and God's faithfulness to his promise. First, let's read this chapter, okay? Be alert to God's faithfulness as He moves His people through unexpected twists and turns. Now there was a famine in the land, besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and your offspring I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and I will give your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge and my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac settled in Gerar, and when the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, She is my sister, like father, like son. For he feared to say, my wife, thinking lest the men of this place, should kill me because of Rebekah, because she was attractive in appearance. When he had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out of a window and saw Isaac laughing with Rebekah, his wife. That struck me because Isaac's name means he laughs. And here he is laughing with his wife. And uh, if you have a footnote in your Bibles like I do, it says there that this may suggest an intimate relationship. So Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, she is your wife. How then could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, Because I thought lest I die because of her. Abimelech said, What is this that you have done to us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech warned all the people, saying, Whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. And Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him. And the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants, so that the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. So Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there and Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham his father, which the Philistines had stopped up after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the names that his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a, spring, a well of spring water, the, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Essek. Because they contended with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that also, so he called its name Sitna. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it, so he called its name Rehoboth, saying, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. From there he went up to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, "'I am the God of Abraham your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake.' So he built an altar there and called the name of the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there, and there Isaac's servants dug a well.' When Abimelech went to him from Gerar with Ahazath, Ahazath his advisor and Phicol, the commander of his army, Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me, seeing that you hate me and have sent me away from you? They said, We see plainly that the Lord has been with you. So we said, Let there be a swarm pact between us between you and us and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm just as we have not touched you and have done to you nothing but good and have sent you away in peace you are now the blessed of the lord so he made them a feast and they ate and drank in the morning they rose early and exchanged oaths and isaac sent them on their way and they departed from him in peace that same day, Isaac's servants came and told him about the well that they had dug and said to him, we have found water. And he called it Shabbah, Therefore, the name of the city is Be'er Shaba
1: to this day. The faithfulness of God to his people. In the midst of trials,
0: notice going back uh, into this story in verse 14, the response of the Philistines to the blessing of the Lord to his man. It says there that they envied him. You are the blessed of the Lord.
1: And the enemy of God and God's people
0: is envious. Uh, And out of that envy comes opposition and persecution, oftentimes. Abel suffered it at the hands of Cain because of his envy. David suffered it at the hands of Saul because of his envy. Christ suffered it at the hands of the Pharisees, ultimately. That, That is the way it is, both in the physical realm and in the spiritual realm, for all those who call upon the name of the Lord. And the Philistines stopped up Isaac's wells, verse 15, wells on which Isaac and his family depended for life, especially in a time of famine. And it forced Isaac to move on. It's a twist, a turn in the bend of the river. But when Isaac moved to a different location and dug a new well, the response of the Philistines was the same. So Isaac named it. Named it Essek, meaning contention. So Isaac moved again, and he dug again, and he found water again, and he was opposed again. So he named that well Sitna, which means enmity. Uh, and, and you can imagine, you can wonder uh, if Isaac had, ju- had just about enough and, and might have said, like we said, where is God and His blessing now? Uh, we keep working, we uh, he made us these promises. He, um, uh, we're trying to follow Him. We're trying to do the right thing. We're trying not to start a war here over these wells. We're, we're moving when we need to move. We're, we're uh, you know, giving in. We're remaining under the trial. But everywhere we go, the well gets stopped up. Where is God? Why isn't He blessing? Doesn't God love me? And He moved again, and He dug again. And at last, the Philistines did not fight over the well, and so he named it Rehoboth, which means spaces. Because he said, At last, the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. Envy and opposition is the inevitable response of the enemy to the blessed of the Lord. So it was with Christ, so it must be with Christ's body, because we are united to him. We are one with him. But the dragon makes war with those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus, doesn't he? Our struggle, Paul says, is not against flesh and blood. It's not against the Philistines, not really but against the rulers, against powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. That's the real enemy, and Satan will do what he can to stop the flow of God's blessing to his people. But see the blessing of God in the midst of these trials. See God's faithfulness in the midst of Isaac's tribulations, because as Isaac humbly and meekly gives way one time after another to the opposition from the enemy, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but in every case, what's he doing? He's turning the other cheek. God is leading him to new wells. He's leading him to fresh water. And finally, to Rehoboth, where the Lord gave him room to be fruitful. Throughout these ordeals, the point is God never forsook him. God was moving him like he moved Joseph. Think of Joseph's life and the stopped-up wells of his life. I mean, he's in an exalted place in his family. At least Jacob uh, exalted his son Joseph, but his brother sold him into captivity. And Joseph tries to do the right thing, but he's, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's Potiphar's servant and and Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him and he, Joseph tries to do the right thing and he does do the right thing. He flees from her, uh, but he's still, he's, he's accused and he's cast into prison and he's there and he's trying to honor the Lord there and and but he's forgotten there until eventually he's lifted up and becomes the means of salvation for God's people. God God never forsook him. God was taking him to the ocean. God was taking him to a place, but the only way to get there, the way that God had designed for him to get there, was through the twists and turns of suffering and opposition. And our question is inevitably, in the midst of our trials and difficulties and our twists and turns, uh, when are we going to get there? When, when, is the bless, when, is, when are we going to find Rehoboth, the well uh, that's not opposed, where we have room to grow? Where, when are we going to get there? How long is this going to take? And brothers and sisters, the answer is I don't know.
1: I know when Jesus comes,
0: that will be the day for sure. There is an inheritance that He has prepared for you, that is ready and waiting to be delivered to you, a well of abundant blessing, and He will bring it to you when Christ is revealed. Until then, until then, we'll find springs here and there that are not stopped up. We're going to find opposition. We're going to find resistance. Why? Because
1: God is moving us to the ocean of glory.
0: There's, there's, another, there's another thing to see here. Uh, notice the description of the water in the well in verse 19, for example. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley, and found they found there a well of spring water. Literally, it reads living water. They found there living water. And, and it's living water because that's a common description of flowing or running water it's not it's not stagnant, it's not covered with a, uh, what a friend once called spooge <laughs> you know all this stuff uh it's flowing, it's fresh you could you can drink out of it unless it's you know polluted. And that's the very picture that's being picked up in John 4 when Jesus is talking to that Samaritan woman at the well and said, if you knew the gift of God and who it was who said to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Refreshing, satisfying, unpolluted, drinkable, life-giving water. And Jesus was speaking there and anticipating here in Genesis 26, the giving of the Holy Spirit. And how, how the blessings that he brings, uh, as John puts it in John 7, are like rivers of living water springing up out of the believer's most innermost being. It's that principle that's being foreshadowed here throughout the story of Isaac and the wells, uh, the wells that he's, he digs of living water. Though, though the enemy oppose the child of God, though the enemy does all he can to hinder the flow of God's blessing through the Spirit, though he seek to choke off our wells to stop them up and to drive us out of the place of blessing, God will not have it. God will open that well of water. And as we humbly and meekly trust God in the face of obstacles and opposition, being patient in trials, like Christ Himself when He was reviled yet did not revile again, God will lead us also to new wells of living water and finally to the Rehoboam where the Lord will give us greater fruitfulness than ever before. You remember that Christ's fruitfulness came not not in the absence of opposition, but through opposition. Our salvation came as Israel's through Joseph, through suffering. And, And brothers and sisters, all that took place in the history of God's people before the cross and all that takes place in the history of God's people after the cross are just aftershocks, or before shocks maybe, uh, of the one seismic, world-shifting event of the cross. God's blessing of Isaac through opposition from the Philistines and contention that he experiences, God leading him to the rivers of living water, God, God bringing Joseph to the place of blessing and authority and power at the right hand of Pharaoh to save his people. All of those are just aftershocks, as it were, of the central event that echoes in both directions through history. In order to demonstrate that the God, that the God that we serve as a God who brings life out of death.
1: Who brings joy in the morning. Who causes the sun to rise after a night of darkness. We
0: may not yet have come to our sitna, nor even yet to our essek. But rest assured, Rehoboth is still ahead. And when through Jordan's flood, thy God shall bid thee go, his arms shall thee defend and vanquish every foe. And in this covenant, thou shalt view sufficient strength to bear thee through. He'll keep you. God is faithful to his people in the midst of trials, even when it doesn't look like it at the moment. God is also faithful to his promise. He's faithful to his people. God is faithful to his promise. Although God brought Isaac and his clan through the trials of opposition with the Philistines, though he has led them to Rehoboth, to wide open spaces where they may be fruitful in the land, still the greatest blessing in this story for Isaac is ahead of him when he moves to a place called Beersheba. What is is it about Beersheba that makes it the place of greatest blessing? Well, let let me give you four things really quickly that make Beersheba the place of greatest blessing for Isaac. There at Beersheba, the promise of God to his people is reconfirmed. Verse 24, the Lord appeared the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. It was the same promise he made to dad. He makes to his son and reconfirms that promise, including a promise of his presence. Do not fear, I am with you. And including the promise of a seed, I will bless you through your descendants. So there is the promise of God reconfirmed. There at Beersheba is the place of worship in verse 25. So he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. He's at Beersheba now. And so on the basis of God's covenant promise in verse 24, Isaac built an altar, a place of worship. He pitched his tent, a place of abiding. He dug a well, a place of refreshing. And God blessed. And at last Isaac seems to have found his center, his anchor, a place of refuge for the rest of his life and it's said that he ne- it's it's not said that he ever leaves that place. It's a place of worship. And there at Beersheba thirdly is a is the oath of peace verse 29. Uh, the the Philistines said Abimelech, the king of the Philistines said there's this promise that you will do us no harm, just as we have not touched you and have not done, and have done to you nothing but good, except sent you away and stopped up your wells. But I've sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. Proverbs 16:7 says, "When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him." There's an example of that. It's not always that way. One day it will always be that way. Here God made Isaac's enemies to be at peace with him because Isaac was now the blessed of the Lord. So there, Beersheba is the oath of peace. Fourthly, there is the name of the place also that makes it the place of greatest blessing. The name Beersheba or 'er Beersheba. Beersheba can have two meanings, both of which are evident here. The first meaning, uh, beer means well. Be'er means well, like the well that you dig. Sheba, Sheba, can mean either oath or seven. So it means either the the well of oath or the seventh well or the well of seven. Uh, It could mean both. Be'er Sheba could rightly be called and is called the well of the oath, Because years before, Abraham had made an oath of peace with Abimelech at exactly the same place. If you go back to Genesis 21, if you look there in verse 31, you would read, Therefore Abraham called that place Beersheba because there the two of them, Abraham and a different Abimelech. Abimelech is probably, by the way, just the title of the king. Melech means king. Probably just a title like Pharaoh in Egypt. Uh, so uh, Abraham had made a covenant, an oath with Abimelech at the same place, and it was called Beersheba. Isaac now makes an oath of peace with a different Abimelech. And so because there was an oath of peace there, Beersheba was a place of great blessing. It was a well of, a well of the oath but also it could rightly be called the well of seven, uh, and that for a couple different reasons. First of all, because when Abraham made, a, made an oath, with made a covenant with Abimelech years before in Genesis chapter 21, uh, Abraham gave Abimelech seven ewe lambs as a witness to him that he had actually dug the well over which he and uh, uh, over which their men had disputed there, and so it's it's like Abraham says, "All right, now let's make this oath together, this covenant together." And and now Abimelech, here's seven lambs, here's seven ewe uh, lambs uh, as witness. In other words, if you ever doubt that this well actually belongs to us, that we dug it, you know, ask them. Look at them. Remember,
1: remember this oath.
0: or it could also be called and it is called the well of seven because of that but it also also be could be called the well of seven or the seventh well because in the progress of events in chapter 26 you probably didn't notice this this is the this is the Beersheba is the seventh well that's dug uh, in verse 15 it refers to the wells that were dug in the days of Abraham. That's the first time. So the wells were dug in Abraham's day. In verse 18, Isaac again digs those wells of water. That's the second. In verse 19, uh, uh, they found there a well of spring water. In verse uh, 21, they dug another well, and they quarreled over that also. In verse 22, uh, uh they dug another well, that's the fifth well in verse 25. Uh Isaac at the end of the verse, their Isaac's servants dug a well, that's the sixth, and then you have Beersheba. Uh they dug a well and said, We have found water, verse 32. Uh and, and and it's a way of saying, in essence, that this well is the well, this is this is the well of fullness, this is the well of perfection, this is the well of completeness. Seven is often identified as the number of completion or perfection. And here at Beersheba is the picture of the fullness of God's blessing to his people. These names are so rich in their implications. But the point is that God is faithful. God is being faithful to his promises with Abraham and faithful to his promises to Isaac. And opening this well of Beersheba. He is faithful to his promises. And that too is our great hope and stay. For God has also brought us to Beersheba. Here it is represented. Even before us this morning. Our Beersheba is sometimes called Calvary. Because there on Calvary, God confirmed his oath to Christ, the son of Abraham. There on Calvary is the place of worship where God himself built an altar. Where we worship, where God himself pitched a tent in the flesh of his son, where God himself dug a well and out of which flows the river of living water. There on Calvary is The oath is the place of the oath of peace because Christ's ways were pleasing to the Lord and through that he made even his enemies to be at peace with him.
1: There on Calvary a feast was prepared. The bread was broken. The wine was poured out. The covenant was sealed there on Calvary,
0: water poured out. Like in the days in the desert, when the rock was struck and water poured out. And God provided for His people. Why? Because He is faithful. He is faithful. And there on Calvary alone is the place of the seventh well, the well of the oath, the well of the giving of the seven lambs. There is the place of the greatest blessing. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Mercy. There was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty space,
1: room to grow and be fruitful in
0: Calvary. So wherever, brothers and sisters, wherever the Lord leads you personally, wherever He's leading Grace Church, wherever, whatever twists and turns and convolutions He takes us through, whatever wells are open and enclosed along the way, ultimately we shall all conclude our journey
1: at Beersheba. place of God's highest blessings.
0: Whatever trials we encounter all along the way, we can know that the Lord is faithful and that in Christ you are now the blessed of the Lord. And did you notice how much the blessings upon Isaac were dependent upon the promises to Abraham? That's why you can count on his blessings. Because he made promises to Abraham, the forefather of our faith, but he confirmed those those promises in Christ. It's not on the basis of your efforts that he brings those blessings. It's not on the basis of your goodness. It's not on the basis of your being here this morning. It's on the basis of, of God's promises to another. Jesus Christ. Trust Him. Now there are some of you here today, and I'll end with, end with this, who, who, who can't look at Christ as your Beersheba. You've never tasted the sweetness of the living waters, the life-giving empowerment and enablement and blessing and joy of the life-giving waters. You can't say that Jesus is the fairest of 10,000 wells. You don't know the joy of peace in the midst of trials or the faithfulness of God in the midst of trials because you don't know Christ. But listen, if, if your soul is thirsty,
1: He says to you, come.
0: If your tongue is parched, Jesus says to you, come. If, if you long for the forgiveness of sins and the well of God's spiritual blessings eternally, Jesus says, come, come to me and drink. Come to the seventh well, the perfect well, the well of fullness, the well of blessing, the well of the oath. Come to Christ, believe on him, and you shall
1: be saved. Let's pray.